Man, what an awesome service so far, man. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And we're going to continue, uh, or jump back into our uh, study on the end, at least for this week. Uh, I do want to take a, a moment just to say um, praise God and thank you again for your prayers. Our mother-in-law is here in church this morning, and yeah, amen, praise God. And uh, I, I had to say uh, I had a, a perfect peace the entire time that she's been going through what she's been going through, a couple, a few uh, scares, and uh, I just had perfect peace that God was, he had his hand on her, and uh, I felt the prayers, I know our whole family felt the prayers uh, from our church family, and again, just so thankful for you and uh, for your faithfulness to lift up people. Again, we've seen God answer prayers throughout our church time and time again. And uh, it's just so, he's, he's so good to us, and we're so, again, so thankful for, uh, for you. But um, jumping back into this uh, study, at least for this week, um, be a, a special week next week. Uh, you have to show up to know why it's special. Uh, but we, um, we dove into what it looks like in the end, and again, a little bit um, more about what, God, uh, what man was doing in, in the end, according to what God has said, what man was not doing. And what we saw was that in the end times, as the closer we get to the Lord's return, uh, there's going to be an increasing preoccupation with sin, the flesh, and the world. And again, I, I believe that we see that whole, I mean, just wide scale. Matter of fact, I, I believe it's crept into the church. We were having some conversation just here recently, and uh, it's just interesting how many people have adopted carnal ways that profess to be Christians that show up to church every week. And... And, and it seems like they're okay with it. And, and so we see this increasing uh, even in our own lives today. Uh, again, those people who profess Jesus Christ as their Lord uh, often bow to the world. You know, we, we say, man, what, what does that look like the closer we get to Christ's return if it's going to be increasing? Um, what I believe we're seeing is this elevating of temporal things over eternal things. And that's, again, among the professing believers there's people who say, well, this thing in the world or this event or this person, whatever, in the world is, is going to take precedent right now over the eternal things of God, whatever it is. And then what ends up happening now, what we see, is efforts are made to rationalize and spiritualize this. You, know, you get people saying, well, I, just, uh, I think that it's not a big deal if I don't, or I think God understands, and we talked about that a little bit recently in a in a recent message, but again, people try to rationalize it and even spiritualize it to make it sound better, make themselves feel better, but it often, off, all, always falls flat next to the truth. But not just next to the truth, it also falls flat next to the legacy of martyrs throughout the ages. Right? Can you imagine some of the martyrs throughout church history saying that they were going to go to the Colosseum? To watch the Olympics instead of worship the Lord? The ones who were there at the stake burning, praying for their persecutors? You think they would have been in the marketplace shopping? The second thing we saw was that people will be, again, even in Christendom, inside of Christianity, or, you know, Christendom professing Christianity. 
that people are going to be paying close, close attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. So the closer we get to the Lord's return, again, we talked about the advent of technology and, and how it's, it's at people's fingertips. It's so accessible, and, and there's so many people that you can tap into. Again, this wide-scale impact uh, has happened, I believe, because of technology. And so, again, it's increasing. And people, in, as in, in Bible times, you think about when, when Scripture was written and, and what we've been studying in the New Testament, um, they, they had to go to a physical place to, to hear a false teacher. They had to take the time to go there, or they had to actually get a physical letter to, to read on this false teacher. And, and, and now, that doesn't have to happen. You don't have to physically go to a specific church to hear a false teacher. You don't have to physically have a letter in hand or wait for it to show up in the mail. You can tap into it any moment of any day, basically. False teaching. Today, many people across the globe, even in third world countries, have this ability, which is amazing. And we've gone on mission trips, and you can talk to our missionaries that, that go there and, and serve there, and, and it's true. Again, I, I've shared testimonies of us walking up mountainsides where people's homes literally were pieces of metal leaned up against each other, and, and, and boards barely holding it together, and, and just barely even, you could call a shack, maybe. And uh, inside there, a, a TV with power working in, in this shack on a mountaintop in, in, in this village where there's nothing, no, no clean water, nothing, but they've got TVs, you know, and they, they pull out a cell phone. And you're like, what in the world? But the message of false teachers is appealing to the undisciplined. The message of false teaching today is not only appealing to the undisciplined and the undiscipled, but to the undiscerning, because false teaching appeals to the flesh and the sin nature. So what do we have to do? We talked about it. We've got to cling to the truth. We've got to cling to each other. We've got to stay submitted to the leadership and the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I want to jump back into this study and, and uh, into a book specifically that had to be written to believers um, because this, uh, of a handful, a handful of, of important reasons and lessons that had to be addressed, but one of which was prophetic uh, events, and most, most specifically the day of the Lord, the second coming of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul is, is writing this letter. He's in Athens, and he's waited for uh, Timothy and Sylvanus to rejoin him. And so Timothy gives Paul a report on what's going on in the believers there in Thessalonica. And so Paul begins this letter with a, a commendation. He begins it with an encouragement about what Timothy has brought to him on how the church is doing. And again, in this even commendation, in this encouragement, we see this mention of the return of Christ. And I think this is important because, again, it's a heavy theme in this first letter to the Thessalonians as well as in the second letter that we'll see. But uh, verse 1, it says this, Paul and Savannah and, and Timothy, uh, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in, in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfast, a steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, uh, beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. 
You also became uh, imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in the region of Macedonia and in Achaia, the region of Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us or saves us or delivers us from the wrath to come. Praise God. The closer we get to the return of Christ, I believe, according to Scripture, the more our faith should produce a few things if it's sincere. If we have sincere faith in Jesus Christ, if it truly has transformed our lives, I believe for those who are truly the the, the believers in Jesus, truly the church of Jesus Christ, I believe that it's going to produce a few things. So if the end time is marked with, with people who are preoccupied with sin and flesh and the world, and, and, it, and, it's, and it's marked by people who are playing, paying close attention to deceitful spirits, again, the, the question that naturally I believe would come to, to surface is, if that's the majority of people, if that's what it's looking like in the end times, like as in the days of Noah and the days of Lot, and, and, and this is what people are going to be doing, then, then is there hope for anything else? Is, is there going to be a group of people? Is there going to be a body of people? Or is there going to be this, this real example of true, sincere faith who are truly following Jesus Christ right before he comes back? And I believe the answer is absolutely. Absolutely. God always has and always will have a remnant. There will always be a remnant of true believers. The first church itself was a remnant, right? If you, if you were here, we walked through the, the, the study on, on the church and walked through Acts, and we, we, we saw how it started, right? There was multitudes of people following Jesus at various times. But in the end, when we picked up in the book of Acts, we saw that there was just 120 people left. Out of all the thousands and all the hundreds of miracles that were performed, out of all the families and lives that were touched, there were still only 120 people left that were truly following Jesus Christ. That's a remnant. The first church was a remnant. There was a remnant that made it out of the flood. If you remember, God said, the Bible says it repented that God had made man. He told Noah, build an ark. You need to get your family, get in the ark, take these animals, bring it in with you. Because God, I'm going I'm to destroy the earth. I'm going to destroy mankind, everything that I've made, except for who's in the ark, what's in the ark. There was a remnant. They walked out of that ark alive to replenish the earth again, to be fruitful and multiply. There was a remnant spared in Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Lot and his, his family, they, they were told, don't look back, go. What happened to his wife? She looked back, turned to the pillow of salt. But there was a remnant that made it out. And again, all of these had many things in common. But one thing was this, their faith was sincere in the Lord. Elijah, he despaired when he was the only one that he he felt he was the only one left in Israel who hadn't bowed down to idols. And he called out to God and God assured him that he had reserved a remnant of 7,000, according to 1 Kings chapter 19, who had not 
bowed their knee to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. And so what, why is it so important about a remnant? Well, the word remnant means what is left. And particularly what may remain after great battle or great calamity. It also means a small part or a small portion. These Thessalonian believers were new to the faith. They, they, were, they were new believers as Paul was writing to them from Athens. But I, I want you to notice what, what he commended them for. I want you to notice what Paul said to these, these new believers who are part, of, I believe, of the remnant even at that point in time. Because the, to, to, to other churches and, and uh, other, other people associated with Christendom at the time, he had to correct them. He had to tell them, look, you guys are off. This is what's going wrong. Uh, you've, you, you know, you've left your uh, first love. Uh, that was um, uh, John and the Revelation. But uh, the Galatians, he had to correct them. You know, why, why did you leave off in faith and try to, try to go back and, 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 and finish in the flesh? But again, these lessons that we're going to learn from this, even just this first section in Thessalonians, are lessons for us today, especially in light of the end times. We're, we're t- almost 2,000 years closer to the Lord's return than it was when he was writing this letter to them. So I believe these are indicators of the remnant in the end. These are just a few, but I think these are indicators of the remnant in the end. I would put them uh, on the screen. They're, they're not necessarily in your notes, but first of all, I believe that we see they were faithful in tribulation. They were faithful in tribulation. This, again, these are indicators of the remnant in the end, before Jesus Christ returns. I, I believe that you're not going to have to look for Christians the closer we get to Christ's return. Why didn't they show up? Why aren't they here? Why, why, why aren't they faithful? I, don't, I, I do not believe that true Christians, you have to do that the closer we get to Christ's return. I believe the closer we get to Christ's return, true Christians continue to press in. True Christians, their, their faith begins to become more sincere and more evident in times of tribulation and trial. It's, it's always been the case for the church. It was there for their, in, in the Thessalonian believers. Number two, they were examples for all believers around them. Paul said that. Everybody is talking about your faith. Every region is talking about your faith so that we don't have to say anything. Thirdly, they, they faithfully shared the word of God. Again, I believe this is indicators of the remnant the closer we get to the Lord's return. And the reason I'm, I'm saying that is because these Thessalonians, again, what we're going to see eventually, not today, is, is they thought the day of the Lord had already come upon them. They thought it was here. And so they were pressing in. They, it, was, it was real to them. They're, no matter what tribulation was going on, no matter what was going on in their life, no matter how busy they might have been, matter of fact, some of them took it to the wrong extreme. Paul had to correct that. But they were faithfully sharing the word of God. Why? Because they felt the end was near. Church, we're 2,000 years closer than it was then when Paul was writing this. I believe the remnant, if you're a part of it, I believe the closer as days go by, you and I are going to have more of a desire and we're going to be more faithful to share the word of God with people. Fourthly, they had a clear life change that was obvious to others. Paul said, it's, it's been known that you have turned from idols to serve the living and true God. That's the testimony they had. They were not serving idols. They weren't being caught up with what they used to be caught up in. They weren't being caught up with what their, their, their neighbors were being caught up with, with what the culture was being caught up in. They weren't being caught up in all that because they used to serve idols. They used to have idols of their own making. 
But they turned from those idols to serve the living and true God. The remnant was truly following the living God. There was a life change. It was noticeable. It was clear. It was obvious. And I believe for you and I, if we're truly a part of the remnant, if we're truly a part of the church of Jesus Christ, the closer that we get to the end times, you know what's going to happen, I believe? Those idols are going to become less and less in our life. So that's an evaluation right off the bat you and I have to do. Am I being drawn to idols in the world more than I'm being drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ? Because I believe the remnant is drawn to Christ more than to idols. We're going to talk a little bit why here in just a second. But the fifth thing is that they were faithfully anticipating the Lord's return that promised deliverance from the wrath to come. They were living in anticipation. They were, they were excited about seeing their Lord. They, they were like, oh no, the, the time's short and I got so much to do. I know that's a, that's a, that, that can even be a good desire in this world, the blessings and the things that God has given us. But they weren't living like that. They were living in this anticipation of the Lord coming back and namely delivering them from the wrath to come. Again, in this text, we're going to see this contrast. The believers in Thessalonica are living this specific way, a certain way, in light of the end, in light of the Lord's return. It was making a positive, eternal impact on the region. I want you to hear that again. The way that these Thessalonian believers were living in light of the Lord's soon return was making a positive, eternal impact on their community. That's what we have to ask ourselves, is the way that we're living and how we're passionately serving the, uh, sharing the gospel, how we, how we are not serving idols in this world, but we have turned from idols and serving Jesus Christ, it is the way that we're living now in light of the end making a positive eternal impact on our community. It was noticeable. It was noticeable to their culture. And it still teaches us today. The closer we get to Christ's return, number one in your notes, our faith and faithfulness to Christ should be increasing. Again, we saw some of those indicators, but it teaches us these things. It teaches us that the remnant, the true believers in Jesus Christ, that the, even, even the closer that we are in 2023 to Jesus Christ's return, it teaches us that our faith and our faithfulness to Christ should be increasing. And so, the, again, a question you have to ask yourself this morning, is my faith increasing day by day? Is my faithfulness to God and the things of God increasing? Think back to when you first got saved. I believe if you truly got saved, like me, and like many testimonies that I know in here and have heard in here, I believe if you truly got saved, you could not get enough of the things of God. You could not get enough of the Word of God. You wanted to read the Bible. Even if you had been raised in church, you had a zeal to be in God's Word. That there, there was a, a desire. Maybe I remember even, even as a kid, you know, I, I didn't necessarily sing all the time. I remember whenever I, I got saved, I wanted to sing in church. I remember right after I got saved, I wanted to tell my neighbor friend, who is Catholic, about Jesus Christ and how he could be saved. There were these immediate desires to where I had this hunger for God and the things of God. 
And you and I have to ask ourselves the question. We've now been, maybe many of us, decades into our walk with Christ. I know for me, it's, it, it's been over 30 years. And I, and I have to ask myself the question. You need to ask yourself the question. Am, am I becoming more faithful to Christ the closer I get to his return? Or was I more faithful at the beginning? And if I was more faithful at the beginning, what does that say about me now? Luke chapter 18. And he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying in a certain city, this is Jesus giving the story, of course. There was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city. And she kept coming to the judge, saying, give me legal protection for my opponent. And for a while, he was unwilling. He didn't want to entertain her. But afterward, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I'll give her legal protection. Otherwise, by her continual coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him, listen to this right here, day and night, and, he, and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You see, the, the illustration he used was a widow who was day and night persistent in her faith, in her effort for this judge. And Jesus used the illustration to say, when Jesus, when, when the Lord returns, is he going to find this type of steadfastness? Is he going to find this type of faith on the earth? Is he going to find his people who are already engaged with him, already petitioning him day and night, already faithful to him, calling out to him? Is that what he's going to find when he returns? See, the Thessalonians were faithful. We, we, we already read that. And their faith had increased even in the midst of great persecution. Remember what Paul wrote there in verse 6 again. It says this, You became imitators of us and of the Lord. And look what it says. Having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. They, the remnant... They hadn't gone back to living like they had had before. They hadn't gone back to, to living the way they were except for showing up for a worship service pretty often. And then still proclaiming Jesus as their Lord. No, they were, they were imitating the faith of the apostle. What was he doing? We know what he was doing. You know what happened in Thessalonica. He, he, he was ran out of the city. There was, there was great tribulation there. He, he himself was pressing through adversity and persecution. He, he, was, he, was, he was that example for them. And that's why he said, that's why he told them, you're imitating our faith. Again, Paul himself was living in anticipation of the Lord's return. To Timothy, near the end of Paul's life, he writes this in the second letter to Timothy in chapter 4. He says this, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, 
My life is being emptied out for Jesus Christ, and at the time of my, the time of my departure, it has come. I, it, I'm about to die. I'm about to go home and see Jesus. And he says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the course, and I have kept the what? The faith. What's the point? That the closer we get to Christ's return, our faith and faithfulness to him should increase. Paul, at the end of his life, says, I have been faithful. I have finished what Jesus has given me. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. And in the future, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And from a Roman prison, again, house arrest, whatever you want to call it, he was incarcerated in, in Rome. And to the Philippians, he wrote this in chapter 3, verse 12, not that I've already attained it or already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Jesus Christ, or by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of what? The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm looking forward to when he calls me home. <laughs> Let us, therefore, as many are perfect, mature, have this attitude. And if, anything, and if in anything you have a different attitude, then God is going to reveal this to you. He had confidence. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us. Where is he? He's in prison for the faith. He says, follow our example, if he, even if it leads you to jail. Paul wasn't saying, listen, I love you guys, and I don't want you to have to experience prison like me. No, he was saying, follow me. It's worth it, even if it leads you to jail, because there's a prize. There's an upward calling. There's a crown of righteousness. It's all worth it. The closer we get to Christ's return, the more our faith and faithfulness should increase. He says, for many of whom, uh, many walk of whom I've told you often, and I'll tell you even in weeping, that they're enemies of the cross. And, 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 and he says this, whose end is, the, is their destruction. And the reason why he knows that they were not a part of the church is he says this, whose God is their appetite and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on what? Earthly things. So there's a difference between the remnant and a difference between those who profess Christ. And one of the main things is, and this is found in Romans all throughout the New Testament, actually, is that there are those who have eternal mindsets and those who have earthly mindsets. Those who are setting their mind on things above, Colossians chapter 3, and those who are setting their minds on earthly things. He says the reason why there's a difference is because our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. What did he say? We're anticipating we're eagerly waiting our Lord to come back, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our body, uh, the, the body of our humble state, our fleshly bodies, into conformity with the body of his glory, a glorious state, by the exertion of the power that he has, that he has even to subject all things to himself. I share this, again, because the closer we get to the end, the remnant of God must stand up and stand out clearly. The closer that we get to Jesus' return, and that's again a question that I'm going to challenge you with this morning. The, the, as each day goes by, the closer we get to the Lord's return, 
Does your faith stand out more than it did before? Is it more noticeable to your coworkers? Is it more noticeable to your church family? Is it more noticeable to your family? Are there some things that are different every day as you're drawing closer to the Lord? Our faith and faithfulness should be increasing. We must look to Christ. There is a remnant all around us. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that. But the next lesson that we see from the Thessalonian believers, this next lesson, number two, again, they were anticipating the Lord's soon return, is this, the closer we get to Christ's return, our faithful sharing of the gospel should increase. The closer we get to the Lord's return, our faithful sharing of the gospel should increase. If we really believe that life is short, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but we know that. Life is short. Well, the Bible tells us that. We know that, but we, we experience it as well. James chapter 4, 14, you do not, I'm saying, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Job chapter 14, verse 1 says this, man who is born of woman is few of days. And full of trouble. Psalm 103, verse 15, for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to, to children's children. Psalm 1, uh, 139, verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet there was none of them. Our days are numbered. Our time is short. Life is short. So if we really believe and we know that life is short, that time is short, that the Lord is coming back soon, and if we really believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, Romans chapter 1 verse 16, then the closer to the end that we get, the more faithful we should be in sharing the gospel. That's just the truth. If we really believe it, look, time is short. The gospel is the only power of, is the power of God and salvation. And Jesus is coming back soon. I should be sharing more. I want to share more. I, I, it matters to me. People have to hear. Again, that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, go therefore, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Do this until I come back. In Romans chapter 10, Paul wrote to the, the Roman believers, and of course under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, whoever, whoever will call on the name of the Lord, be saved, name of the Lord shall be saved. That's an amazing promise. But then, of course, the explanation. He says, how then are they going to call on him in whom they've not believed? How will they believe on him in whom they've not, what? Heard. And how will they hear unless they have a preacher, unless somebody proclaims it to them, declares it to them? And how will they preach unless they're sent, just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. The Thessalonians set a great example in what they were faithful in, and they were faithful in sharing the gospel. So much so, this is amazing, so much so that the apostles we're finding their impact all over the region. Remember what he said in verse 8? Look again in verse 8 of 1 Thessalonians. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place that your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. 
That, that's true discipleship, right? That's, that's true faith. These Thessalonian believers, they believed Jesus was coming. They believe it had come upon them already. And so the, as the, the thought of the Lord being here, it caused them to faithfully share the gospel more. So much so that what it sounds like is that, that Paul and his team were being put out of an apostleship job, right? That's what he says. So the, we don't have to say anything. You, you guys are already sharing the gospel so much and the word of God so much that everywhere we go, people are saying, oh yeah, we, we heard of Jesus. We heard that he's the only way of salvation. The, 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 there's, there's some people, followers of Jesus, there in Thessalonica, and they, they came over and they told us about him. Oh, cool. <laughs> but what does it say that the remnant increases? The sharing of the gospel, the closer to Christ's return that we get, to, the closer to Christ's return we get. What does it say? For those who are truly Christians, the closer we get to Christ's return, we share the gospel more and more. What does it say? Number one, that we really do believe Jesus is the only way to salvation. Right? I mean, if, if we really believe that Jesus is the only way, and we really believe that he's coming back soon, and we really are, the church, given that mission, then what's going to happen? We're going to faithfully or increase the faithfully sharing of the gospel. It also say, it says this. That the closer we get to Christ's return, the more faithful we are to share the gospel. What, it also says this, that we really do care about other people. Right? I mean, if we think that Jesus is coming soon and people's window of opportunity is closing, people that we say we care about, then we're going to faithfully share it. If we don't, then I don't know that it does say that we care about them. Number three, it also says that we really do believe that people are headed to an eternal torment without Jesus as their Savior and Lord. The closer we get to the Lord's return and the smaller that window becomes, the reason why we share the gospel more faithfully is because we really do believe that people are going to hell. And Jesus is the only hope. And we really do care about them. Care about them. And fourthly, I've already said it, it also means that we really do believe that we have a short time. Right? We, we really do believe that time is running out. If this is the case, if this is true, then the opposite is true. If we are increasing the sharing of the gospel, if we aren't increasing. So I haven't shared the gospel with anybody. I haven't shared the gospel last year. I haven't shared the gospel. I haven't had anybody to track. I haven't in invited anybody to church. I haven't had to, tried to even text somebody. I haven't, given, I haven't sent somebody a link. I haven't encouraged them to watch the show. I, I haven't done anything by way of trying to point somebody who I believe is headed to an eternal torment. I've done nothing to try to point them to the only Savior. I've done nothing. What does that say if, we're, if that's our, our life? I believe it, say, again, says the opposite, that we really don't believe Jesus is the only way to salvation, that we really don't care for others, and that we really don't believe people are headed to an eternal torment without Jesus, and we really don't believe that there's a short amount of time left. So what is it for you? 
Are you increasing? The closer we get to the Lord's return, I mean, you read the articles, things are going on in our world, and we're like, man, golly, Jesus got to be coming back quickly. If, if you've ever said that or thought that, or, or, or if you said, man, this world has gone crazy, Jesus got to be coming back soon. If you've ever had that thought, and you really believe he's coming back, then something's got to trigger in us an increase of faith and faithfulness, an increase of faithfully sharing the gospel. Thirdly, and as I close, our faithfulness to Christ, our faithfulness to serve Christ and refuse idols should become more apparent. For the remnant, for those who are truly saved, the closer we get to Jesus' return, if we really do believe he's coming back soon, I believe our faithfulness to serve him and to refuse idolatry should become more apparent. The opposite would look more like part of an apostasy, which we've already covered in Matthew chapter 24, when Jesus said that many will fall away. Right? That, that, that's the truth. Let, let's not try to water it down. Let's not try to make it more palatable. But if we're truly saved, and we're truly part of the remnant, and we truly believe that Jesus is coming back soon, then what it looks like for us, the closer we get to his return is that we become more faithful to serve him and less connected to idols. That's what it looks like. So ask yourself, the, the, the closer we get to Christ's return, as days go by, am I being drawn more to idols in my life or am I being drawn more to serve Christ? So sometimes people say, well, I'm already doing a lot for Jesus. Listen, I believe, this is according to Scripture, and according to examples like we're seeing here in the Thessalonians, that the closer we get to Christ, it's going to feel like, for the, those who are truly saved, that we can't do enough to serve Him. Right? I, I've got so much more to do for the Lord. I'm not doing enough. Because what ends up happening is we can start becoming a, an idol for ourselves. But what about my time? What about this? I, I want to do that. Again, the closer we get to the end, there are people inside Christianity, and please hear me, not necessarily Christians, but in, inside the sphere of the Christian life, going to church and stuff like that. There are people inside of this sphere who are going opposite directions. The chances are there's even people in this room that are going opposite directions. Remember what he said in verse 9. They themselves report about us. What They report about us. So the apostle was hearing about them through the Thessalonians when they were in other places. What kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. And maybe there, again, are some in here that are doing the opposite they, they're going back to serve idols maybe you're here this morning and you say well i i don't know i'm just having a hard time letting go of this i have a hard time whenever this comes up and there's church going on to say no to this i have a hard time whenever this this pops up versus me reading this i i, I watch this instead of read this
Some maybe have gone back to serve the idol of self. Maybe there's some in here that are struggling with serving the idol of work. Maybe some people are really struggling with serving the idol of money or the idol of sport or the idol of entertainment or the idol of busyness. You know, sometimes people, that's what they say. No, I can't volunteer at the church. I can't serve in this ministry. I can't do something else. I'm so busy. I'm too busy. Again, this letter to these Christians who were part of the remnant, please hear me, was in light of the fact that they thought the day of the Lord had come. So there was this anticipation. There was this urgency. There was this eagerness. There were all these things there. And we'll eventually get to that. But they were living in devotion to Christ in light of his coming. They, they, they were amped up, not amping down. Like, I've served the Lord for this long. It's time for me to take a break. What? The apostle Paul was in prison. And he said, I've, I've fought the fight. I've kept the faith. Even in prison. My life's over. But I'm still serving the Lord, writing this letter to you. He, that's what he was doing. And I believe you and I, especially in 2023, should be living in anticipation, not stopping our lives. So I'm just older. I'm an, I'm, a, I'm an older person. And I'm just kind of winding down. No. I believe that we should be living joyfully and fully to the glory of the Lord, not living our, our days, even if they're our last days, to the glory of self, to the glory of a sport, to the glory of an entertainment or a job, to the glory of money, to the glory of anything. But the closer we get to the Lord's return, again, I think that we should be striving to live all for his glory if we really believe he's coming back. If we really believe time is ticking away, then our lives should be ramping up, not slacking off in laziness. I'm not going to read these next verses, but they're in your notes, and I encourage you to read them. Because in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gives that very example about virgins who were prepared and some who were not. And so I want to challenge you this morning. I pray that you're part of the remnant, and I pray that your life as a testimony to others, which you're accountable for, looks clearly like you're anticipating your Lord's soon return. I pray that all of our lives together looks like that we're pursuing Christ and not pursuing idols like the world does. I pray that that's the testimony that you and I have in this community and that it influences the community. And I also pray that if you're here and you're not a part of the remnant or you're not sure that you're truly saved, you're not anticipating the Lord's return, that today you'll surrender your life to Christ before it is too late. Please don't leave this place without knowing for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for this message and the challenge, Lord. It's, it's also such an encouragement to see people in this place amping up, excited about your return, serving and, and wanting to do more for you and your kingdom sharing the gospel and sharing testimonies of, of them sharing their faith with others. It's so encouraging. It was, it's encouraging to see real faith exercised. I don't know there are some in here that are struggling. Maybe they're in a, 
a difficult time, season of their, their walk with you. I pray today that they, they got that, that boost, that challenge, that encouragement to step up and to press into you. Lord, I, I pray that you would move in this place in a mighty way. Lord, that our response even right now would be what's pleasing to you. Lord, you are coming back soon, and we're anticipating that. I just pray that our lives actually line up with that. And again, if there's somebody here who's not one of yours, Lord, they're not positive, they're going to heaven when they die, that they would not leave this place. They wouldn't even let this invitation pass before they came forward and said, I, I, need, I need to know. And Lord, just have your way now. We'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I want to invite you to come.